Fake Spike Podcast, episode 69. You know, like this this game yesterday was the same old Jets all the way, but somehow it still felt different in a positive way, even though it was annoying at the end. And uh, obviously we'll get into why, but what's going on, Vort? Not much. Been waiting for this magic podcast number 69. I can retire <laughs> happily after getting this out of the way. But I was very curious how you were going to start off the podcast because once again, you and me are in agreement. As much as I wanted to stick it to Brady, as much as I had hopes towards the end, as much as I was, cr- I don't want to say crushed, but as much as I did take a kick to the nuts seeing the way this game panned out, I was somewhat expecting it when it was a one-score game towards the end. But I do not take this game and throw my hands in the air in frustration. I took a lot of positives, especially with our quarterback, just the team performance as a whole. We lost to a team that was better. We lost to a team that knew how to handle close games better, and the experience showed. But I'm not going to cry that, oh, uh, could have had him on the ropes because these are going to be the fans. Those same fans would have been crying, why the hell are you winning when we need to worry about the draft pick? So for me, I'll take the loss. I'll be a little disappointed. I wanted to kick Brady in the mouth any any chance we get. But I'll take this game with mostly positive memories because of the growth and the development I saw. And I have to stick to our guns. And that's what we've been pleading for for this season. That was the important thing. Let us see progress. I saw it. I believe I saw it against one of the top teams in the NFL this Sunday. Well, we're going to get to something that I think we might have our first disagreement on and be able to debate. We'll get to it later. But I, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, we might have said it offline or we might have actually said it on the podcast that, that there are times where a moral victory is good. This to me was a pretty good moral victory. I mean, they they had this team on the ropes. They 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 slammed them around, and I don't care that they were missing some guys. We were missing more. And, and as we talked about in the last podcast, the talent disparity is so huge that they can get rid of the couple of guys they were missing and still be way better than us. So the fact that we led this game or were tied, led this game or were tied for fifty nine minutes and forty four seconds or whatever. I don't forget how many seconds they were left when they tied at sixteen twenty whatever it was. That that gave me a lot of hope and Zach Wilson looked good it wasn't no longer just impressive no longer just a half a game no longer just hoping he looked good the entire game except for that quarterback sneak at the end but um Zach Wilson looked really good he looked he looked comfortable in the pocket again he was standing in the pocket and taking the heat there were times where a couple of weeks ago he might have ran out and tried to make a play he stood in that pocket and let the pocket collapse around him when it had to I am so impressed with how much progress this kid has made in the last few weeks it is it is now not even a matter of wondering if he's made progress now you have to think you've got a shot at this kid being something now that's how much he's improved the last the progress he's shown over the past three weeks far exceeds the process he's shown combined up to the uh, the first 10 to 12 weeks i know no question. there was an injury in there the progress that i'm seeing in zach wilson over the past couple of weeks and yes it goes to ball protection not turning it over being more patient in the pocket actually p- making progressions when the first rediscovered um accuracy is touch and go uh using his athleticism a little more wisely to uh, get out of the pocket and avoid sacks 
a lot of things that you were hoping to see and we were kind of uh, i'll speak for myself i was really getting nervous these last two three weeks it was like a light went on he's still a struggling rookie quarterback on a struggling bad team but it definitely shows to anybody who's watched the game that the game has slowed down for him some things are starting to click not all of it it's no longer code red all the time in his head he has learned how to decipher things how to slow the game down and hopefully it's going to continue but the progress has been noticeable it's been immense and it made this jet fan very very happy yeah, and you kind of hit it on the head. You said that um, he's still a rookie. He's still struggling like a rookie. Yes, now he's struggling like a regular, decent rookie, like a rookie comes in and has some trouble. Now, at least he has made so much progress in the last few weeks that he is now caught up to where he probably should be at the end of year one, which is still, I mean, still, you can't, you, you can't run Zach Wilson out there as your franchise quarterback yet. You can't say that he's turned every corner he needs to turn but he has he has made great strides in having the game slow down and that that is exactly what i was thinking yesterday is that this kid like stood in the pocket when it would collapse and he 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 would just do you know like i only see brady do that a lot of quarterbacks so many quarterbacks in the league are mobile now that the second the pocket starts to close in on them, they run out. And that includes Rodgers. That's, you know, Lamar Jackson, Zach Wilson up until recently. Brady is the one, like, true pocket passer that just stands there no matter what's happening. He trusts his line, and he will stand there, and shit will fall upon now. Once in a while, he's going to get crushed. He's going to get sacked. But for the most part, Brady just stands there while, you know, it's like it's like one of those movies where there's a guy just standing there all calmly while chaos and is around him. around him is caving Right. Yeah. That is what Zach Wilson looked like at, at times yesterday, where the pocket it was collapsing. It looked like, you know, I, I've been conditioned to see him start to run and, and scramble and, and, and roll out and look for something to happen that I was kind of surprised when he didn't do it. And there were several plays yesterday where he looked and God, I'm not comparing it to Brady. So if anybody is thinking I'm doing that, I'm not. I'm just saying that he stood in the pocket like Brady does. And he, Brady being the real true pocket passer that's left in the NFL is the one guy that stands in there no matter what. And Zach Wilson did that a lot yesterday, much to my surprise. And that tells me that the game has slowed down. He is now trusting his line. He's he's um you know he he is not automatically panicking. He's being able to get through his reads. I mean, there's there's so much of a difference even from three weeks ago, and that it it makes me so happy. Of course, I'm a Jet fan, so I am automatically waiting for the other shoe to drop. But but there is a lot of reason to be optimistic that maybe the Jets didn't screw this up as completely as we thought they did a few weeks ago. I agree. It's uh. I keep holding on to a word you used a few weeks ago, stable. I've, I literally cannot get that word out of my mind the past two weeks when I see Zach Wilson. I don't see exceptional. I don't see wow. But I see stable. And stable is all I could have asked for. Again, I have... Are you okay over there? Of course, I disconnected my own headphone by accident <laughs> trying to move. Uh, okay. But stable is everything that I can honestly, realistically hope for. for uh, the season began as complete disaster. It continued going from bad to worse. And for this kid to now look stable, to look like he's in control, to look to doesn't look overmatched every second of every game, it is a huge step up. And I love that word stable. I think... It just, it really hit home. And as I was watching the game, again, he makes a few plays. Sometimes maybe 
he makes a play that you're like, okay, that's a rookie quarterback. Sometimes it's just a mess up, whatever that may be. But there is nothing over the last couple of weeks that I've seen that just made me throw my hands up in frustration and be like, wow, wow, this is supposed to be our franchise quarterback in the future. This guy can't even line up on their center the right way. There's been none of that. He's been stable. He's been progressing and getting better. So I just I wanted to give you a quick shout out. The, the word literally stuck with me when you threw it out a couple of whether it was three four weeks ago when uh, he started taking care of the ball better and the, the turnovers, the interceptions stopped, and the word stuck with me. And I I I can't use a better term if I tried for this season. He's been stable, and I'm excited because again, it just the turnaround has been noticeable and it's been incredible. So. Just to take that a step further, you know, Michael Carter, and I'm, I'm not getting off the subject. I'm actually tying it in. Michael Carter had, had got off to another great start. Guy's a stud and got hurt. <laughs> George Fant, the, uh, you know, his left tackle, who's been playing phenomenal all year, got hurt. His tight end, who made a nice catch at one point and, uh, you know, kind of fell on his side, got hurt. So now Zach Wilson, who looked decent, looked pretty good early in the game, now had nobody left. I mean, his offensive line was depleted. His running back was gone. His tight end, who, you know, I mean, like Griffin and this guy Brown and, and uh, you know, West Coast, these, these uh, and even the guy made, Kenny Yeboah made his, his, uh, his yep. presence known yesterday. These guys, he's finally starting to use his tight ends a bit and, and to lose one, you know, he now had to switch gears and who knows if he was even prepared to do that, but he, he made it work and he did well. But at the same time, I'm like, man, we just can't enjoy anything for longer than five minutes with this team. You know, like, like Michael Carter goes out and, th- and now you got to worry. Then Fanta's walking to the locker room. You got to worry, but he, he never let us down, man. He, he kept he all game long. Right. I keep expecting because they're playing the Bucks and because they're not good and because he lost these guys, I keep expecting either the interception or the bad throw or the incomplete pass or a sack, something where there's no progress. And time after time after time, this kid hit somebody for a first down in, in ways I would not even expect to happen. And the Jets, I'm so not used to that. I'm so used to seeing that from every other NFL team, but not with the Jets that I'm just sitting there like stunned when when they get a first down and when they move the ball and when they do what they're supposed to do. It's, it's kind of... You know, it'll take me some time to adjust for me to get used to it again, but it's kind of awkward <laughs> at this point now to, just to see them doing things they haven't done in so long with any consistency. Look, I mean, for me to sit here and uh, be anything but two thumbs up level excited today will be, it, it'll just be putting on a front and it'll be lying because let's go back to the predictions. I I foresaw an absolute disaster this week. I thought the Blitzing Bucks team was going to remind us why we are where we are, why we only had four wins, whatever that was, going into the game, why Zach Wilson has looked like a struggling rookie quarterback, and why um, the team that's uh, severely lacking talent and experience is going to be exposed in every way possible. So to find ourselves in a game that we should have won, that we should have closed out, uh, and still lost to the greatest of all time on the final possession... That is something to hold on to as a positive. The losses will always sting. This one sure enough because we predicted an absolute shellacking and the, the Jets teased us with a close game and they showed up. But how can I not be proud recognizing that this is a rebuilding team and this is one of those experiences that you can build on. This is one of those that in a locker room you don't dissect how you got outplayed from pillar to post from the first second to the last you dissect that you played a good game and you just didn't have enough in the tank whether it's experience execution the know-how whatever that may be the greatest ever had more 
in his tool bag to close you out versus the other way around. And that's something that comes with experience. Closing out games means putting yourself in a position to be in those closed games and finding a way to win in the end. The Jets understandably don't have that yet, but now they're finding themselves in closed games and that's what you can uh, that's all you can hope for. You want to be in a position to win. Just like you want to get into the playoffs because it's a whole new season. In the NFL, unless you step on a throat and you're crushing a team late on the fourth, you just want to be in a position to make a play and win the game. They were in that position. Didn't didn't go our way. That's okay. Learn, build, improve. But the game in itself left a lot of positives. Two points I want to make before we move on. Um, you had mentioned that you know here we are playing the the blitzing bucks and 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 we you know we, we managed to hold our own. I, I I kind of made a correlation at one point in the game, and I wonder if they're related. Now you obviously have enough knowledge to be able to say, yeah, I think that's probably true, or no, I think you're just off base as a coincidence, right? The offense seems to be gelling a lot. And it, I don't think it's quite at the place it was with Mike White that one game, or the way it looked with, um, you know, with uh, Josh Johnson when Mike White got hurt against the Colts, or even Joe Flacco. I mean, there there was a little bit of a, you know, there's a little bit of a, of a of a different feel there. But I think this is much closer. And I think the fact that Wilson's now comfortable and all of these guys are gelling with him, it, it kind of shows that the Jets are not completely bereft of talent, but that it was the quarterback the whole time. And now that that quarterback's getting more comfortable it doesn't matter who they play they should be able to remain competent and you know picking up the blitz and 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 the offensive line playing very well against a good defense on a top team I think is is not so much a matter of the Jets stepping up as a team as it is Zach Wilson having gotten gotten so much more comfortable that his guys can can know where to be and know what to do in certain situations instead of him just like being completely overwhelmed they don't know where he's going to be or he's he's calling plays that don't that don't you know he's calling protections that don't match the play whatever I, I had noticed that the offense seemed to look a lot more like it did with the other quarterbacks for the first time the last couple of weeks there were a couple of drives where it did but the, consistently all day yesterday the Jets looked solid and looked like they were in control and I, I really do feel that it's not a matter of this team has no talent at all I think I think it was Wilson the whole time I think he was not ready obviously when we've talked about this the game was too quick for him and he has he has made great strides and clearly has worked very hard to overcome that stuff and, and his teammates are responding what, what are your thoughts i think it's a combination of both i think you can't discount what you just said clearly we can now say that zach wilson was a quarterback that was struggling badly everything was too fast too much too soon whatever you want to say he was struggling so I can't discount that theory. Is it 100% versus zero that it was all on Zach Wilson? No, I don't believe so either because the maturation of the other two rookie quarterbacks, uh, oh my God, why is our young, exciting wide receiver eluding me all of a sudden? Elijah uh, Moore. Elijah Moore. And, uh, and, uh, and now we have a running back, but those guys also, they didn't show that maturation early in the season. So I think it was a combination of there was no quarterback who was – there to kind of guide them along and bring them along which how which is how a lot of young guys kind of explode onto the scene because they have that veteran quarterback that almost babies them that puts them in the right position that uh, helps them succeed yes zach wilson didn't have that but on the flip side zach wilson also didn't have guys who would make a play for him that maybe while he was struggling there was that guy who listen let's be honest Corey davis was supposed to be that guy proved to be nowhere near 
that guy, but there's got to be somebody who just makes a play, whether it's a contested catch, whether it's breaking a tackle and getting a third down, uh, a first down on third and 10, what the quarterback just threw a screen for five yards and you just fought and you got that extra, uh, you broke that tackle, you stretched, you got the first down. So the fact that he was surrounded by a couple of young guys who were finding their own way, he didn't have the experience to lead them and to give them the comfort to speed up their development. So it was one of those things that was... uh, one hand washes the other. He could have helped them. They could have helped him. The fact that it was an all-around young team lacking experience. So I'll say it's uh, it's a little bit of both. It was definitely Zach Wilson not pushing the offense to the heights it could have been at. But at the same time, the offense wasn't helping Zach Wilson grow and develop. And kind of uh, everybody was learning at the same time. I also don't want to discount our offensive coordinator, who I think has gotten much better. But the first six, seven, eight weeks, whether it was trying to cater to a young offense, to a young quarterback, the play calling left a lot to be desired. So it was just everybody learning on the job, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, rookies at key playmaking positions. So I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I think Zach Wilson certainly deserves his share for the reasons you described, but I won't subscribe as is to say we got our answer. It was clearly Zach Wilson that was holding everybody back. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, in my eyes, he, he's he got the offense looking pretty much like it did with the other guys. And that's the first time that's happened for him with any consistency through a whole game. I mean, it's been getting more and more. It's like, you know, half a game there, half a game here. Um, and, and, you know, it's just it's just been getting more consistent. He, you know, it wasn't a full game last week against Jacksonville, but it was more than a half a game. And then today, you know, today, yesterday, I should say, um, what I feel like was a complete game. There was some points where the Jets clearly, had, you know, the Buccaneers made some some adjustments and the Jets didn't adjust that well. But the Jets always came back. I mean, you know, no, no, very rarely, unless it's the Jets defense, there's a team score in every possession. But I feel like the Jets at 24 points, I think that's a respectable number of points to put up, especially against against a defense like the Bucks, So I can't say that the Jets didn't show any consistency. And and again, don't want to beat the horse, but I feel like this is the first time they've showed that consistency for a longer period of time with Zach Wilson. And for the most part, minus some guys who are hurt, but for the most part, it is the same group of guys, at least in the important areas, the line and, uh, you know, your, um, you know, and some of your, some of the other guys that, that are there all the time and, and are integral to, to having the offense run smoothly. So, that's uh, that's that. Now, you mentioned the team was young. I mean, one of the things I wrote down is that the Jets are young and spunky, and no matter how bad they've looked, they have never given up. They always hang in there. They're always playing hard. I know we touched on this earlier in the year on another podcast, and there's people all over Facebook trashing the coaches saying that you know not not yesterday obviously but talk about how the jets quit and there's no fight in them or whatever else and i personally have never seen that i feel like no matter what was happening all year they've always been playing hard and fighting there is nothing i've seen from anybody on the team that showed me they've quit on the coach and that's a big testament to a first time to a young first time head coach of a struggling team this could have gotten ugly very fast. It did as stretches, but the team did not give up. The effort was always there. My hat's off to Salah for keeping uh, control of the ship that could have easily went off the rails in an ugly, ugly way. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. So then you have, I had a guy on Facebook, who, you know, of course, t- the two things about, about Jet fans, one of them is that most of the fans now all of a sudden have switched gears completely and Zach Wilson's the Messiah. He's no longer a rookie. He's no longer, he's, he's turned the corner. He's awesome. This guy's great, blah, blah, blah. It's like they, they, they don't know having in between at all, which, okay, it's, it's understandable. It's expected, you know, your, your team, your PTSD from, from what this team's done to you. But you had this one guy saying, you know, let's calm down. I want to see Wilson do it more than once. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want to see him do more than once? Please explain exactly what you want to see him do more than once. Is it, you know, the four straight the four straight games without an interception? Is it beating, you know, almost beating one of the best teams in the league? Is it, I mean, what do you want to see him do more than, what is it that you're looking to do more than once? Just play well? I mean, I don't understand that comment on a day like yesterday when, Everything went right for him for the most part against in a situation where he had no expectations to do well at all. I mean, you and I thought he was going to get killed. Most people thought he was going to get killed. Everyone I saw was predicting 40-something to, to 10. So what exactly does this guy want to see do You know, one more time? What does he need proven to him at this point in Zach Wilson's career? I am with you. You can't argue with, with people who will just um, – and again, shout out to our friend Jamie. I feel like – there is no way of pinning him down. There is no, there is no end where that fan will say, "Oh yeah, you got me." I didn't look at it that way. These are the fans that they just don't want to be pleased. They will not be pleased. There is always a reason. If you make a statement like you just described, come out and say what is it exactly that you want to see. I want to see Zach Wilson have three straight games with the. Uh, over 60% completion, and no dumb interceptions. You know what? At least lay it out there. But if you're just going to say a vague statement where I need to see him do it more, well, they have one fucking game left in the season. What do you want him to do? What do you, want, you want him to lead us to the playoffs now? Like, <laughs> if, if you make a statement like that, put yourself out there. Tell us what you, want, what you expect him to do, that if he doesn't, we'll say, you know what? Okay, he didn't meet your either realistic or your ludicrous expectations. But if you put something forth where I want to see Zach Wilson go through a three-game stretch where he doesn't turn the ball over, where he's consistently over 60% completions, and he does that, eat crow. Come out and say, wow, he did it. Or let us allow it to point it out to you and be like, dude, you wanted it. Now you're still complaining. Here it is. He did what you wanted for a three, four, five-game stretch. But if you're just going to throw these stupid blanket statements that show that you will not be pleased no matter what happens – I'm not going to waste my time getting into a debate with you because, like you said, give me a concrete answer what you're looking for. Right. I wasn't even looking to get into a debate. I'm just amazed that on a day when the kid played well and most of the fan base has gone the other way, this guy just has to be the negative Nelly, which is fine. I mean, we're darksiders. You're always going to find something. I mean, you could find the fact that they lost the game in true same old Jets fashion as uh, you know, as, as, as something to be a darksider about. But I just don't understand the attitude that most of so many of these fans have that they hate this kid for no reason at all. And it's almost like they're rooting against him. So, you know, it's like the kid has four, four straight good anywhere from decent to good games caps it off with almost beating a team that he shouldn't even been on the field with and you want to see it again i mean it's like are you ever going to be happy and and clearly not clearly (laughs) um so getting into a little bit of the game now, the Jets, you know, they had the 14-point lead in the third quarter, and then they get into the fourth quarter, and then I forget what the score was at the time, but typical Jets, man, like they, they get a, a big penalty on on the Bucks, and it's third and 20 from their own oh, you know, that's five. That broke my back. I, that, that's exactly what I wrote. I said that is a backbreaker. Third and 20 after a huge stop and a penalty, that's a backbreaker. That that right there was when I knew that it was it was done. And I sat there in disbelief saying, I, you know, they might actually do this. 
this and and I don't know if they're going to do it. They might actually do this. I don't know if they're going to do it. That was when I was like, yep, it's the Jets. That 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 was when I knew, you know, most teams in the league there stop them, they get the punt and then maybe, you know, maybe the the other team gets the ball back at some point. They have timeouts left whatever, but that they are third and 20 when you have all the momentum in that spot is just so so same old Jets. That was the moment that uh, I literally threw my hands up because I really believed they, as long as it was a one score game, I knew that, listen, it's Tom Brady. I know we're the Jets. There's going to be a way for them to uh, give it away and they probably will, but they just, they really showed up. They really played. And that was the play that made me just throw my hands. And I just said, okay, Jets are going to be Jets. Calm down. You know how this ends. And uh, from there, as much as I had that, feeling in the pit of my stomach like come on come on maybe they'll pull it off and shock me but the mystique that magic feeling that was gone with that third and 20. yeah exactly and there was still a lot of time left and and whatever but that was just like you know if you're really going to finish the job off you can't give up that third and 20 there okay now i want to get to the to the thing that really the, the one thing all day where i was like hey they might win they might not win they might win they might not win and i was just just kind of sitting there clinically watching the game it gets to the one thing that on a day like that where i w- would not mind them losing would not mind them winning the one thing that pissed me off and made me say fucking same old jets they're always going to get me and that and this is where i think we're going to disagree because i know your mindset i don't think there is any question whatsoever that with all the circumstances not in a vacuum, but with all the circumstances, you should not be going for it on fourth and two at, with the, at the two-minute warning like that. I know you probably feel differently, put the game away, and 90% of the people I've spoken to feel that way too. I just think with the circumstances, now if this was third quarter, if it was on the 40-yard line or the 30-yard line where it was a 45-yard field goal, I could see doing it instead of a chip shot. Uh, I could see if it was a little late, you know, a little earlier in the game and you had, you know, I, I could see doing it. I could see if it wasn't a two yard thing, I could see doing it. I, I, all of these reasons, I think that at that point with two yards to go with only two minutes left, you take, you take the field goal. And the worst case scenario is you go to overtime. The best case scenario is Brady ties the score and you might have a shot to freaking win the game in regulation. You have three timeouts left. I hated the fact that they went for that they went for it there, and and you know me, I, I'm all for the aggressiveness. I think that was a dumb time to be aggressive, and part of me is hoping that you agree with me because I like agreeing. But I am so set that you are gonna you're gonna tell me I'm crazy and they have to put the game away there. So let's do it, man. Come on, come at me. It's a little scary how well you know me and how long it's been. <laughs> we've been dating for years and now I find out that you really do pay attention. Yeah. Mac, you you could have done this podcast solo. I disagree with you 1000%. I knew you I would. loved everything about it except the call. I except the execution and the play call itself, of course. That was and I'll tell you what bothered me about that play. Um, it's it has to do let, let me deviate and let me go. What yeah. really really pissed me off is the execution on the play itself. And I have to I have to remind myself that I, I want to be calm about this. But what, what pissed me off is after the play failed, the announcers do a breakdown. And he says right away that how would – why? Why would you run down the middle where all the studs on a Tampa Bay defense are their interior linemen and all the success the Jets had running the ball was outside the edges? If the announcer can pick that up and it's that blatantly obvious, why is the coach not – 
uh, and I'm talking about LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. Why is he not aware of that? And you know the thought that I had? I don't know if it's right or wrong, but at that very moment, Mac, I just, I remember it clear as day, and I'm so glad you brought it up because I wanted to talk about this on the, on the podcast. It dawned on me that our offensive coordinator, I don't want to say that he doesn't study film, that he doesn't prepare, he doesn't know the other team's personnel. You don't become an office, offensive coordinator in the NFL without doing those things. But what I think is I equated it to playing poker. When a young person is playing poker, they have a hand. They and only look at they their forget. Own hand. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He just knew that he had a strong hand that he wanted to play, and he was committed no matter that a, somebody was betting to clearly show him that, hey, you got to wake up. There's more to the hand that you're just holding. So the way I looked at LaFleur is all these young boy genius offensive coordinators, it's like in his mind, his play is so creative, so smart, so brilliant. He doesn't think about the counters that an experienced defensive coordinator might do. He only thinks of, well, this is a brilliant play. It should work. It's not about, hmm, the play could work, but this is playing right into their strength. Let's tweak this. Let's adjust that. So I almost look at him as that guy who got pocket aces, and he's like, I'm just playing it. No deviations. Pocket aces cannot lose. No matter what, right? So that was my frustration. I think it's that boy genius mentality of, let me call this play, and not take into account what the other person might be thinking about about my play calling, about what I've done this whole season. It was just very black and white. Not take the personnel into account. Let me go with my play. It's going to work because it's my play and it's brilliant. So that what really pissed me off. As far as the as far as the situation, the play, the points, I loved everything about the fact that Salah went for it. The game is meaningless. If we if we convert it. He just give, gave Zach Wilson experience you can't buy. He just beat Tampa Bay. He just beat Tom Brady. And he did it by going for it on fourth and down, which is there is no better way you can show faith in your offense, in your team, than what Salah did in that moment. And I think taking everything into account, which is the lost season where we are, and was, there, was a win really going to matter outside of skim- outside of building confidence. No, it wasn't. It was just going to be a nice feather in the cap of Zach Wilson and Robert Sala and all the Jet fans who hate Brady. But I loved oh, it. No, man. I, I loved everything it. about it. Hated it. Hated it. There's two other things I didn't mention as reasons. I mean, there's there's the clock. There's the position on the field. There's all of this. But the two reasons, one of them you just touched on, okay? One of them is that I disagree. I think that win helps them. That would be the second straight game where they hung on for dear life against you know against a team that had that took them right to the very end. I think that that building those kinds of wins and getting these guys to go into the locker room and say, "Hey, I beat Tom Brady." That's something Zach Zach Wilson would tell his grandkids someday. Didn't matter. His grandkids wouldn't know that that they were four and eleven at the time. But you know, all they'll know is that their grandfather beat the greatest quarterback who ever lived. You know, hundred years from now, whatever it is. If they yeah. take the points or if they've sent out the field goal uh, uh, unit, there's a possibility of them missing it. There's a possibility of them making it, but the game is still not over. So no, it's not field- over. But if 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 the Jets were up one, two, three, well, they were up four, one, two, or three points, 
I would go for it every single time. But that point of the game, with only two minutes left, I am I am going for the tie with two, with two yards to go. One one yard, a half yard, I probably go for it. Two yards more or more like that, I'm taking the tie and then hoping that the the very rare chance. And this is the other point I didn't mention. There's always a chance Brady doesn't get him in the end zone. At that point, they only had 20 points. It wasn't like he was ripping them to shreds. So there's always a chance that the Jets, you know, and, and that's the problem here is that Brady was so much in their heads. They're like. No matter what's going to happen, he's going to beat us. We may as well just go for it. I think that's bullshit. With two minutes left in the game and you have three timeouts left, kick the field goal and assure yourselves of a tie. If Brady does do what you think he's going to do, then you have a tie. Your worst case scenario is overtime. Your best case scenario is you get the ball back with you know, 20, 30, or maybe, maybe he scores immediately because the defense sucks. And then you have all this time to kick a field goal. I just think there were, there were ways to get your team a win there. And I, I didn't agree with trying to put it all on the line there because if you're so sure and you were right if you're so sure Brady's going to score leaving yourself in a position where he's going to score when you didn't score those points means you lose the game and you no longer have a chance to fight if you want to talk about experience and getting all these guys like 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 game experience whatever take Tampa Bay to overtime and beat them or if you lose at least then they beat you you didn't beat yourself like you just did and then of course the play call yeah I mean you mentioned the play call I don't know if you've been paying attention today or if you heard anything, but it turns out that there was an option. They were supposed to flip it to Berrios on a on a on an end around and have him run around the edge. But Wilson had the option, and this is where Sala took took the blame. They gave Wilson the option that if they, the A gap, which is the dead center, was open, he could he could run it up the middle. Now, my imp- imp- interpretation of that is that that sounds like a quarterback draw, not a sneak. And I think what happened was Wilson just took the ball, the guy he was expecting to be there wasn't there, and he just took it and sneaked it rather than, you know, if he would have taken a half step back and faked the flip to Berrios, he probably would have had the whole middle. So there was this all this stuff going on today about whose fault it was and who's throwing who under the bus. But Sala said straight out that Wilson um, there was a miscommunication. They didn't make it clear enough, but they wanted him to take the Berrios option and not the sneak option. But but I also I love that Salah said, "I'm the head coach, and it starts with me." So that's right. uh, I respect that. I, I did I not do, know yeah. the whole backstory. I'm glad you filled me in. Yeah, but go that check does it not out. change my stance one bit. The, it was one of those rare days this season when the offense, you can say, "quote unquote," was clicking, and the coach was going to ride them. I, I just. I can't knock him just because it failed. I loved everything about the decision except the play call and the execution. But um, the decision to go for it and just end the game and say, we got this, boys. We got this. I love it. I support it. I wish the end result was different. But absolutely nothing but a, uh, I'll stand up. I'll tip my hand. I'll, <laughs> I'll tip my hat to Tampa for getting the stop. But I will also give two thumbs up to our head coach for having the balls to do it. Nope, I I'm gonna go on the record as our first serious disagreement because I agree dis I disagree completely. I think that in a situation where you know he's gonna score, everybody knew he was gonna score. You at least assure yourselves of being in the game if he does. And Tampa Bay, let's talk about Tampa Bay's aggressiveness. They got down there and scored and instead of kicking the field goal on the one tenth of a percent chance the Jets get down there to tie it. They actually said, fuck this. We're going to go so that they have to score a touchdown. I thought that was that was some... that was Now that is good aggressiveness right there. You have nothing to lose. What are the chances with 15 seconds left the Jets will get in field goal range? There's almost none, but you just said fuck you, score a touchdown. That aggressiveness I like. You leave yourself out there, but it's almost it's almost a, a, a non-issue. The Jets, I feel like everybody in the world including like freaking my, my, my wife who knows nothing about football, she's like isn't that Tom Brady? I'm like, not now, baby. 
but I, everybody on the planet knew Brady was going to take him down and score, not only because he's Brady, but because he's done it so many times. And this is the Jets and it happened so many times. So if you have a given that the guy is going to go down there and score, then you at least assure yourself of that score not beating you. That's the way I look at it. I know it's a little weak. It's not as aggressive as we'd like to be. But given all of the circumstances, the position on the field, the time left in the game, the, how many points they were up by, I would never have condoned going for, going for a field goal if they were up where that field goal doesn't give them a seven-point lead. Never. And yes, you're right. They could have missed it. And that's why I say that if it's if it wasn't a chip shot, I would say go for it. If that was a 40-yard field goal, I'd probably say go for it. But at a at a point where it's a 25-yard chip shot field goal, that's an old extra point. I'm I'm kicking that field goal all day and saying, Tom Brady, go ahead, beat me again. And at worst, if you want to go for the two-point conversion to win it, I can't guarantee we don't win and that's it. We don't, we don't lose in that situation, but at least you'll have beaten me and I wouldn't have beaten myself. That's the way I look at it. Obviously we're going to continue to agree to disagree, but I feel super strongly about that. I would have agreed to you under two circumstances. If the game mattered in the sense of uh, the win gets us to a fight for a playoff spot, obviously you play it differently. The other thing is I believe uh, the last point that I'll make is I don't think Tom Brady was in his head. I think part of the fact that they were being competitive and stopping Brady and making plays and had an interception uh, in Salah's mind, it wasn't a given that Brady's going to march him to the end zone and get a touchdown. So I think it was just a matter of, listen, let's just step on their throat. Let's end the game right now. And there's no conversation, no chance for the go to do it. But I think... Uh, the reason for his decision was partially the fact that it wasn't one of those Tom Brady days where he was everything he was doing was turning to gold. He was having a great game, obviously, and if you look at the stats, they scored eleven yards. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think uh, it was a given that Salah said, "I can't give him the ball again. He's going to score." I think on the contrary, he was saying, "Listen, we we've been good, and if we, if it doesn't work." We we have it in us to make that stop. Whether we will or we won't, we'll find out. But I think that actually played a role in um, in him making that decision. Yeah, a lot of other people I've seen have also said that if the game mattered, you do that. But I I think that the game does matter for the Jets. They they're in a game. They they are, are about to you know possibly win a game that that everybody expected them to lose. They probably they themselves probably expected to lose. And now you're talking four straight weeks of your quarterback getting better. Everything seemed to have gelled yesterday, and this was an opportunity for them to to assure themselves that they weren't going to lose on a last minute play by by at least securing a tie and and giving yourself a chance to have a second straight really tight victory you want to talk about how to win close games win them <laughs> do something to win them now i listen i i fully understand that if that if you want to have the mentality that if you get that first down the game's over i i do fully understand that but i just feel there were too many too many circumstances that went against and it's just you know it's just just the way i felt but you do make a good point that maybe Salah felt the defense would stop him i just don't think how to see how anyone could think that because brady's done this you know, I don't know, 200 times over his career. I mean, no joke. I mean, he does it every single time. Everybody knew he was going to do it. Okay. Uh, one final point before we review stats. Um, uh, I forgot his first name. Nichols, the running back. Nichols. Oh, Eccles. Eccles, I'm sorry. Okay. Eccles intercepted Brady yesterday, right? Yes. And, um, and, and I thought at the time, I'm like, wow, this kid is a rookie. He just intercepted Tom Brady. I mean, how freaking, you know, we just talked about Zach Wilson telling his grandkids. One day he'll tell his kids, you know, I intercepted Tom Brady. So this this guy today goes and gets the ball signed by Brady. 
which I'm okay with that. Go ahead. I mean, you're, you're not like some veteran who's kissing his ass. You're a freaking 22-year-old kid talking about the greatest quarterback of all time, and fans are getting all over this guy for going and getting the opponent's autograph on his ball. I mean, do you have a problem with that, or is it just me thinking that they're ridiculous? I don't really have a problem with it. It's just we didn't grow up with this type of NFL. We, the old school us, want that uh, blood and guts, and I don't talk to you, I don't shake your hand. But the reality is the new NFL is a little different. Players do get along, they have relationships. And uh, again, if uh, in the middle of the game he gave him, uh, he ran up to Brady in the huddle after the interception asking for a selfie, that's a little different. But uh, after the game, the guy is literally the greatest to ever play the game. It's an yeah. icon, and uh, you respected him. You show him your respect by wanting him to autograph uh, the football. I have no problem with it. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. Live it up. None whatsoever. I agree. I think it's ridiculous to even, again, if I was a 10-year veteran and Tom Brady had beaten me 6,000 times, I could see being upset. I would tell him to go fuck himself. But as a rookie you know, my my, my, my I, I intercepted the greatest guy ever to play the game without question. Nobody nobody even disputes that anymore. You know, I, I don't see a problem with that at all. Again, a veteran going and asking for an autograph is a little weak, but a kid in his first year intercepting the greatest player ever, I don't have any problem with it at all. I applaud him for, for even caring. You know, good for him. All right, let me pull up the stats. Are you going to pull them up or should I? Uh, should I'll I pull, pull up the I, stats. I got, you pull up I what's be saved. That's what I meant. Yep, I'll pull up the thingamajiggy with the stats that we saved okay obviously we were all way off uh what was zach wilson's final numbers zach wilson with an with another solid outing gave us 19 for 33 all right 234 yards one efficient touchdown and no interceptions all right well you were certainly a lot closer you had a 13 of 29 which wasn't that far off 170, one touchdown, which is correct, and two interceptions. I had him at 12 of 24 for 130 yards, no touchdowns, <clears throat> and three interceptions. So clearly, I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't anywhere close on that. So you, uh, you, uh, you get the victory for that one. MVP, you had Michael Carter. He was well, well on his way until uh, he got hurt. I, I bothered. I, I said no MVP. So <laughs> I, I copped out on it because I didn't think there would be one. So. I should have just been brave and stuck with my boy stuck Barrios. With boy. Yeah, Another no incredible performance, and he's proving that there's got to be a place on the roster for him going forward. <laughs> Agreed. He's up. He's up for uh, for um, his contract's up this year. They better. They were already talking to him about an extension. So I'm I'm happy to hear that. Okay, you predicted Brady would go 380 for three touchdowns. I believe he had three touchdowns. I think he was 411 though, right? 410, three touchdowns, one pick. There you go. All right. Uh, best worst real. Um, you had Bucks 2920 as the best case. I had Bucks 3117. So you're a little closer. And then we obviously both off on the worst and the real. So all right, man. That's uh that's it. Anything anything else we need to discuss before we uh call it we pack it in for the week? No, I'm absolutely glad. This this game is it's a loss. It's gonna be a loss in the records, but for me it left a lot of positives to build on and I am excited. I, I wanna see that same energy uh to close out the season. Bills are struggling a little bit, especially their quarterback, Josh Allen. So let's see if we can uh shock the world and steal a W in a division to finish the season on a really high note. But the floor that they've set is I expect a very, very competitive hungry performance by the Jets to close out the season. But we will uh, talk a little bit about that later in a week. Have a great week, my friend. I'll speak to you soon. Talk to you. Bye.